right, guys, before we get started today, a big thank you to our partner, Microsoft Surface, celebrating 10 years of partnership with the NFL. As the official laptop, tablet, and sideline technology provider for the LA Chargers, Microsoft Surface provides players and coaches with the tools to succeed both on and off the field every day. Learn more about Surface at surface.com. And welcome into the final drive, a Tuesday morning edition after the Chargers eke out a 19-16 overtime win over the Denver Broncos. As always, joined by team reporter Haley Elwood and senior writer Eric Smith. Guys, there's so many different directions we can go. I, I actually I got fan questions we'll get to in a little bit because I figured there was so much that happened. We may miss it, right? Well, let's start with the hero, Dustin Hopkins, though. Four field goals and an extra point, 13 of the 19 points. The Chargers needed every single one of them. He hurts his hamstring in the first half, has to gut it out. Um, it was an ugly game. I don't want to belabor the point because I, I think everybody knows it was an ugly game. <laughs> 19 pretty. total penalties, 240 yards of penalties. Unbelievable. Haley, uh, just start with you on, on, on Dustin and, and really what you saw last night. I think my biggest takeaway from this game was for the first time, I think, in, in quite some time with the Chargers I know Brandon Staley called it a complete team win after the game, but it was very clear the offense was not at the same level as like the defense and special teams was last night. So by saying that, I'm going to flip it and say it was nice to see a win that wasn't on the shoulders of Justin Herbert for once, that you really had these two rookies come in and make this crazy special teams play at the end of the game, and then Dustin Hopkins comes in and kicks the game winner. Throughout everything, he went through the entire game. And so I think to see two other phases of this Chargers team work together to then come out and eke out a victory in, in what you mentioned was not a pretty game and, and not a fantastic game by any means, um, I, I think was was encouraging to see. And obviously there are some things I think that this offense kind of needs to get right as they move forward throughout the season. But to have it sort of not just always be on Justin, I think was a refreshing kind of takeaway and, and something that I don't think we've seen in a long time. You know, we haven't really seen special teams with these Chargers units really kind of come out. And I know Eric has been with Ryan Ficken for many years and can probably speak to what he's been able to bring to this unit. But, yeah. um, but I just thought that that was really encouraging. And what can you say about Dustin Hopkins? I mean, when the team signed him last year, it was like, okay, they got their kicker. And to grit out the performance that he did was just absolutely incredible. And, I mean, uh, it remains to be seen his status for the rest of, you know, these next few games and possible season at this point. But the fact that he was able to grit through everything last night was just incredible and, and just such a gutsy performance and one that will not go unnoticed. If he's not the AFC Special Teams Player of the Week this week, come on. What are we doing yeah. here, NFL? <laughs> what are we doing here, NFL? Uh, you know, Eric, I, I see Brandon McManus, a healthy Brandon McManus on the other side. Probably the best kicker of football outside Justin Tucker or top three, top five, whatever you want to say. Uh, and then you got a, an ailing Dustin Hopkins, who was hurt really from the beginning, from that first extra point that he kicked. Um, you would think advantage Broncos in that overtime. Um, how about Jasir Taylor? What a heads-up play by him setting up Dustin for the game winner. Yeah, great play by, by Ja. Um, and I think 
that's the type of play that was going to be needed to win the game because I've kind of hit on both offenses were pretty much going nowhere. Yeah. I think, like, literally they were going nowhere. Um, and, and that's the kind of play it takes to, to win a scrappy, ugly game like that. Like, it's going to take a special team turnover. Um, that may be the only special team turnover the Chargers get all year, maybe. But it, it's a huge play. Um, and, you know, Haley, you brought up Ryan Ficken. That, you know, obviously my guy. He was the, the Viking special team coordinator last year, a longtime assistant in Minnesota. So I've been with him for just like seven years in a row. You know, I'm just following following him around all over. Um, but he like he's a good coach, and um, I know that the Chargers have a history with special teams. But when the Chargers hired him away, and I was still in Minnesota, I was bummed because he's a great coach, and and players love playing for him. Um, he has good scheme. Like I've kind of chatted with him, you know, kind of here and there throughout the the last couple of weeks, and. He's like, man, I feel like we're right there, like as an overall unit. You know, we're, we're right there from making like a big play, whether that's a big return or a turnover or something like that. Um, and and it happened. It happened. Like he he kind of sensed something was coming. Um, but yeah, Chris, great play by by Ja um, to block that uh, Broncos player into the returner. That that's a fairly it's a fair and and legal play. Um, it, it wasn't an interference or anything. And a great play by Dean Leonard, like two rookies to just change the, the tide of the game. Um, yeah, like on a game, on a night where it was ugly, like special teams come through. I can't say enough about Dustin Hopkins, too. I'll, I'll give him a mention. Like he said after the game, every time he kicked, it felt like someone was stabbing him in the leg with a knife. Yeah, that like, was well, a that was a powerful powerful quote in the in the in the locker room. Tough stuff there. I can't do anything like much less kick with that, you know. Um, so all, all the credit to him. Um, just a, a gritty win. And the the Chargers had to have it. I'm just I'm going I'm going through these these numbers uh, of Russell Wilson. So he started ten for ten, and 116 yards and a touchdown in that first quarter. This is from Andrew Mason, who covers the Broncos. Mm -hmm. After that, 5 of 18 for 72 yards, a 43.8 rating. The, the, the Chargers defense figured something out after, after that first quarter, and I, I give that D a lot of credit. Uh, they schemed up some pressure with, with Derwin, and you know, Drew got a couple sacks. Uh, Khalil had a sack. I think after Russell was 10 for 10, the 11th attempt, uh, Mack – uh, batted the ball in the air, and maybe if he had an extra second, could have picked that off and, and really changed the game there. Um, J.C. Jackson was benched in favor of Michael Davis in, in the second half. We'll get to that uh, in a little bit. But, Haley, you mentioned the offense, uh, both sides. It was tough. It was tough to watch. Um, Justin Herbert, 57 pass attempts uh, without a touchdown. I think his final numbers, 37-57, 238, and a pick. The mm -hmm. running game couldn't get going. A lot of those attempts, Haley, were kind of like extended runs. Uh, yeah, Corey Lindsley was not in this game. Corey mm -hmm. Lindsley means a great deal to the Chargers offense. The worst six quarters that the Chargers have had this season were the two quarters in Kansas City where Corey went out in that Jacksonville game. Once he got back in, he stabilized that offensive line. Um, they had to play without them, and listen, they did their best. When you win a game like this 
and I think I think I asked Darwin this yesterday. It's almost more satisfying knowing that nothing really went your way, and you still found a way to get it done against a division rival, Haley. Well, and I think in covering the Chargers for as many years as I've been here, and I think Chargers fans would agree to this, um, you haven't seen a lot of those types of games where you find the way, right? For many years, even we've been on this podcast talking about the final drive and been like, uh-oh, you know, <laughs> whoops, yeah. like that that final drive didn't go the way. Why that, is this um... name the final drive? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think um, I think that's an encouraging sign that this team is is probably turning a corner there and that they did find a way to win. And and I think when you look at the phrase complete team win, it's almost like complimentary team win to me that you had these other units pick up where maybe one left off or, or wasn't pulling its weight. And I mean, that Broncos defense, though, give that group credit. They are incredible. That was probably, I mean, we, we had heard about it. We read about it all going into this game. And it is really clear that they are keeping that team in games. And it's kind of a shame with how much their offense has been struggling just defensively. This Broncos defense has been so good. And I think they have the number one red zone defense. And I mean, they held the Chargers one of four in the red zone last night. So when you look at little things like that, they're legit and not having Keenan Allen, obviously, but not having Corey Lindsley was huge. At one point, you know, Will Clapp goes out at center and you have Brendan Hymas come in. Trey, obviously not really a hundred percent at this point. He was questionable coming into this game. So you were working through some attrition on that offensive lineup against a really, really good defense. But yeah, you have the 57 pass attempts. He completes 37 of those. You know, you mentioned it. Some of them were just little checkdowns. Like Austin Eckler was 10 of 16 for 47 yards through the air. And and you just sort of find a way, like you mentioned it. And so, I don't know. I just think looking overall, to me, it's an encouraging sign that they found that way last night against Denver, against a huge divisional rival where you can go up 2-1 and one in the division, which is great. Um, just in, you know, as opposed to years past where, Maybe this game goes a different way. However, I was, though, I was kind of expecting a tie at that point. Like, God bless Dean Leonard and Jasir Taylor and Dustin Hopkins for ending that whole thing because time was ticking down, and it was like, guys, what are we doing here? Like, the, is, the Broncos, is, Haley, the Broncos are about to get their third possession in yeah. overtime with five minutes remaining. So I was doing this thing on Twitter where I was like, you know, Denver will punt with kind of like the swirly eye thing. And then I had Chargers will punt with the swirly eye thing. And then Denver will punt. And the second time I tried to write one of those, Twitter literally gave me a, it gave me a bump, like a message that said, you've already tweeted this. And I'm like, yeah, I know Twitter, but I couldn't even do it again. That even Twitter was like, what are you doing here, girl? Like, you've already tweeted this. And I'm like, yeah, we know. We know, Jack, but are you watching this game right now? So um, what was funny was that was when I was about, um, I got that message on the second when I was going to say that the Chargers were about to punt again. And then of course the the turnover happens and the muff punt happens and all of that. So saved it, uh, Twitter, but just just hilarious in that regard. Just, just a really funny side story of, of how that whole night ended on my social media accounts here. <laughs> That's amazing, actually. <laughs> Didn't know. Didn't know you can't tweet the same thing, apparently. Who knew? Twi- now we Twitter know. looks out for that type of thing. Twitter looks out for that kind of thing. Eric, we knew it was going to be a battle between Sertan and Mike Williams. And this is why I'm not as concerned about the Chargers offense as maybe some may be today. No Corey. We're seeing the passing attack kind of lose a little steam without Keenan. Like, we, we've progressively kind of seen that, right? 
no Keenan, no Corey. You got Pat Sertan, who is playing really better than any corner in football right now. He locked up Mike yesterday, two for 17. Um, No Josh Kelly, too. That's another thing. Josh was running the ball really hard. Didn't even get a touch because he got hurt early, I I believe, on special teams. So he didn't even have a touch in this game. So I I think that that perfect storm, plus going up against a a really good defense, uh, we know Justin's been battling through this rib thing. Um, I'm not as concerned with the offense looking a little out of sorts um, against a really good Denver defense. Yeah, I I would agree with that. I'm not overly concerned either. Um, I think we're at the point now where the offense needs Keenan Allen, though, because, you know, he yeah. got injured in the first half of week one. And, you know, it's like, OK, he'll he'll miss a game or two, you know, and now he's missed every game so far. It seems trending in the right direction that he's going to return against Seattle before the bye. And that'll be a good time to ease him in. I like, try to get him in there. And then he has another week off, you know, to, to make sure everything's good to go. But, yeah, I think a big reason of what makes this Chargers offense go in the passing attack is obviously having Keenan and Mike together, having that two-headed monster at receiver. And, yeah, Pat, Pat Sertan is playing out of his mind. And if he's going to lock down one guy, you need another guy on the other side to step up. And Keenan or Mike should be the guy to do that. And with no Keenan, it's just tough to, to, to see it. Um, you know, we, we joke about this podcast being named the final drive. I will give credit to the Chargers' final drive. It was only, I think, an eight-yard drive or six-yard drive, whatever it was. That final pass from Justin to Mike, if that doesn't happen, I don't know if Dustin makes the kick because they were almost out of his range. Mm -hmm. Because he said his range was like in the 30s. It was a 39-yard attempt. If they don't complete that, it's like a 47-yarder. Is he making it? I don't know. And then, you know, then we have a tie, like, like, like Haley said. So... Um, you know, from, from what we know, like Corey should be back. He was just dealing with an illness. Keenan should be back for Seattle. Um, you know, hopefully Trey feels better, but yeah, at full strength, this offense is fine. They just haven't really been at full strength maybe the entire year, honestly. Cause like Keenan's been hurt since the first half of week one, like I said. Yeah. So, um, long-term, I think they'll be okay. It's just kind of, kind of grinding it out right now. I'm just going through some of these questions, Haley. Uh, some some fans submitted uh, late last night. Um, let's just let's just start with with defense and, and J.C. Jackson. Obviously, he had he had a few tough plays in the first half. Michael Davis came in, and I thought the defense played really really good last night after figuring out Russell Wilson at the beginning of the game. You know, with, with J.C., they're asking what's going on, miscommunication. I think there is some miscommunication, and I think it's just something that, that we'll have to monitor this week. You hope J.C. can get back to form because, listen, his tape doesn't lie from New England, right? Um, but, but I give Michael Davis credit for coming in and, and doing his thing in the second half. I'll give the coaching staff credit, too, for actually making that change because that's yeah. a big thing in order to bench a guy who you paid a ton of money and, and signed as – this bona fide, you know, stud corner in the off season. And so for Brandon Seeley to admit after the game, like we felt like we needed to make a change to me, that's big because that is making an adjustment that 
necessarily isn't being too prideful to make, if you will, that they knew they had to adjust something there. Um, I was reading Daniel Popper after the game, and, and he was talking to Bryce Callahan, and Callahan had said that he really felt like once Michael Davis got in there, they relaxed on the, the MEs or the mental errors, that those kind of just stopped, that they were able to sort of settle down, like you mentioned it, and go. And um, it is something I think that will be interesting to watch over these next couple games and or this next game. And then obviously you have the bye. And, and of course, during the bye, you always hear teams do self-scouting and, and see what happens there. But to me, as, as big as it was um, for Michael Davis to come in and, and make that play, I thought it was almost even bigger for the coaching staff to actually make that decision in game, which is a bold one, if you will, because you don't necessarily see that often. Um, I'm not sure what's going on there. And and there's been obviously, you know, the ankle thing and some other thing, you know, the ankle thing and then coming back and going out and coming back again. And, and I don't know if it's just going to kind of need that the JC just needs to get in a rhythm and, and needs to sort of just get his legs under him literally and, and figuratively and go. But um, this is going to be an interesting storyline to watch. But to me, the biggest thing was just the fact that this coaching staff wasn't afraid to make that decision, which ultimately be was a better decision for the defense and the team as a whole as the game went on. Yeah, they, they played great in the second half. Um, Eric, uh, we got some questions about Keenan coming back and then also the, the receiver room in general right now. You know, you know, we saw Palmer's been battling through some stuff. Um, you know, Parm just came back. I know he's a tight end. Um, so I asked, uh, why isn't there an urgency to replace uh, Guyton uh, as a deep threat? I, I think when you get Keenan back... That's a big thing, but I'd love to get your thoughts on maybe trying to get a guy who could kind of take the top off and, and really make this this passing attack uh, a little more versatile. Yeah, that, uh, I've gotten some of those questions, too, for my Wednesday mailbag. Um, you know, OBJ has been a name that people have thrown, thrown around, but from all I understand with that, like, he's not ready right now, and he's not going to be ready for another month. So, to me, that's not really a name to focus on until he's, healthy and then when he is healthy like then he gets to pick the team you know so I don't know about that um yeah I think losing Guyton was maybe bigger than people thought you know he didn't have a ton of catches but the ones he did have were obviously you know down the field he was he was a deep play threat um you know I I firmly believe that, that Keenan coming back is going to open up this, this entire offense um, and, and maybe we don't see it against Seattle because, like I said, that's going to be his first game back. You can't expect him to be at 100% and, be, and do too much right, right away. But um, the second half of the season, I think the passing attack will, will flourish. And, um, you know, by then, Justin should be feeling better. Like, it seems like he's feeling better every week. Um, in terms of adding someone outside, I don't know. Like, Robbie Anderson was a name that was brought up by people, but he just got traded to Arizona, so he, he's not available anymore. Um, I think you might just have to go with who you have. Um, the, the trade deadline is November 1st, I believe, which is right after the bye. So we'll have to kind of monitor that in, in the next couple of weeks. Um, I don't know, honestly. I think you just go with Keenan to Mike. You hope Josh gets healthy as that number three. Um, you know, I think Gerald Everett's been good. I think uh, you mentioned Donald. I thought he played well last night, kind of getting back into the groove. Uh, three catchers for 53 yards. That's just who they have right now. And obviously Eckler is, is a big part of the passing game too. So I don't – personally, I don't see any, like, 
big addition coming. I think this is who we have, and we have to make it work. All good points. Uh, Haley, this is, a, this is a tough question. Who's more important to the offense, Keenan Allen or Corey Lindsley? It's one on one A, but I, before you answer, let me just say, we saw the six quarters Corey wasn't in there, and we yeah. saw how tough it was for the Chargers offense yesterday. Keenan is a pro bowler, and if the, if the, if the Chargers are going to get to the playoffs. Keenan's going to have to to be there, um, but man, the center center's a big deal. <laughs> center's a big deal. It's a really really big deal. I think when you look at how the Chargers have approached that position over the last say you know five six seven years or so, call it the LA era of the Chargers. Um, what have they done? They've gone out and they've gotten these veteran guys who have played a lot of football and are really yeah. some of the best at their position. You look at Mike Pouncey and what he was able to provide with Philip Rivers, and then he unfortunately gets hurt in 2020, right? And then Dan Feeney had to step in um, at center for that season. But then, you know, Feeney leaves in 2021, and who do they bring in? Corey Lindsley, the, arguably the best center in the game. And I think when you look at the you mentioned those six quarters, the football that they have played without him. It's a glaring omission on that offensive line. And not only in a protection uh, situation, but also just a, a stability situation as a whole. And what he brings with a young quarterback who, again, is not 100% you know, physically right now. And, and Justin last night to me got knocked around probably the most he's been since that Kansas city game. And I think that also contributes with the performance of the offensive line. I don't think we had seen him get knocked down so much, you know, not just sacked, but like pushed to the ground and knocked down and, and kind of mess with in that regard. So I don't know. It is, it is like a one, a one B sort of situation, but, but the presence that Corey brings and why he was brought to this team to provide stability, to be paired up with an extremely intelligent and talented, but young quarterback and provide that sort of um, relationship. You know, the one that he had with Aaron Rodgers for years, Eric was in the NFC North. He could attest to, to watching the Packers twice a year and, and what that, uh, what that did for that offense. Um, it's just, it is a loss in that regard when he isn't in there with how much he brings and, and, you know, the thing with offensive linemen, right? You never want to hear their numbers called. They, they want to be the guys that just go through the game without anyone mentioning them. Um, but when one of them isn't in there and you're sitting here Monday, Tuesday morning, quarterbacking, if you will, um, looking at the game, you go, yeah, that guy's extremely, extremely important to this offense. And, you know, just some context for those listening to this. Think about the offensive line right now, okay? They didn't have a Sean Slater or Corey Lindsley yesterday. You were down to your third center at one point in the game. Yeah. So, you know, Will Clapp's filling in for Corey Lindsley. Uh, Matt Filer is, is at his best when Corey Lindsley's in the football game. You have two rookies out there, Jamari Sawyer and Zion Johnson. And you have a right tackle on Trey Pipkins who gutted it out last week who was hurt. So that was the offensive line that they had to roll out on Monday Night Football against perhaps the best defense in football. I mean, that defense is really, really good. So it's a great segue, Eric, into this next question. What does it say about this team to come out, get a win against all odds, when it would be understandable to take an L against an elite defense after two road wins? Are we finally beginning to witness the tenacity of this 2022 roster that refuses to take an L? That's from Dowsey. Man, I love it. 
Dowsy, wow. you know what? Hold, hold on, shout out to Dowsy because this was at one twenty one a.m. So he was he oh. was thinking about this. He was fired up, yeah. bringing the tenacity that in the early early wee hours. Um, yeah, I think that's a good word. Um, you know, Haley mentioned like me being in the NFC North, right? So I'll, I'll say this: when I came over to the Chargers, you know, my perception, I think a lot of the outside per, uh, perception was hey, this is going to be a high-flying offense. We're going to score 35, 40 points a game. Um, you know, we're going to just be, like, high-octane. It's going to be fun to watch. It hasn't really been that way, you know, through the first six games. And injuries have played a part, you know, with Rashawn and Keenan and, you know, Justin and you can probably almost name everyone on offense who's been banged up at one point. Um, but, yeah, I think tenacity is a great word because – it's almost like the Chargers are, ha- are having to find different ways to win than just relying on the offense scoring 35 points. Um, and yesterday, that was a defense limiting Denver to 16 points. That's, that's the best point total the, the Chargers defense has allowed all year. I think at this point early in the year, you just find ways to win games to help yourself in the second half. Because, like, 4-2 and two looks a lot better than 3-3. Three and three. And no question, especially especially in this uh, mediocre NFL that we're in right now, in terms of just middle of the pack teams, Woof. man. Like, who's dominant outside the Bills and the Eagles? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing I thought about this morning on my on my long drive in, um, the Chargers are four and two, and that tied for the second best record in the AFC. A month ago or three weeks ago, we we were at one and two, and I think people were were ready to write us off. I really do. And we rallied back with three straight wins, two on the road. All of them have been by, let's see, seven points or less, Houston, Cleveland, and and Denver. That's how you have to win in the league. Um, I forget who said it last night in the locker room, but someone was like, you know, we, we would love to – to go in and I think it was Dustin Hopkins. We, you know, every team would love to, to get a blowout win every week for sure. The players would love that. The coaches would love that. We would love that as journalists. It would make our job easier too, but that's just not how it goes. So like if you can grind out wins, squeak out wins, you know, the chargers are sitting at four and two, if they can get a win Sunday against Seattle, they will be five and two at the bye. I think that'll be a pretty impressive five and two considering how the first month of the season went. Haley, this next question uh, from D Hop is the goat. I guess you could like change your username to like different things at any moment. So D Hop is the goat sure. for the moment. Uh, what will it take for Isaiah Spiller and JT Woods to get playing time? And then this one from Xavier, just kind of the, along the same lines. If Joshua Kelly's good to go next week, does Sony get more touches? I would say this could be a spot for Isaiah Spiller, depending on on Josh's injury um, going up uh, against uh, a Seattle defense that you know, does give up some, some rushing yards. Um, but I'll, I'll let you uh, speak on Isaiah and JT. Yeah, I would be with you on that one. This is sort of an interesting um, question that that I just generally have for Brandon Staley or whoever on this coaching staff, just in terms of, you know, how high you, you pick those guys. And I think the dichotomy, too, of last night when you have Dean Leonard and Jasir Taylor making ultimately the plays of the game. I was just thinking that, yeah. Um, was so interesting to me because those guys were selected much later. You know, Dean Leonard had, 
I think we would all agree sort of a rough preseason to the point where we weren't even sure, hey, is this, you know, is he going to be a practice squad guy? Is he going to make this roster? And, and he does. And then you look at, I think, the special teams part of it. That, that what's the thing we always hear with rookies, right? You make your hay on special teams, and, and those guys certainly came in. And, and I don't know if that's where maybe um, JT and Isaiah – I don't want to use necessarily use the phrase are lacking right now, but maybe just those other guys have sort of just taken the reins. But the Joshua Kelly injury um, potentially is going to be one to watch only because of that, because there, I thought Sony Michelle last night was fantastic in short yardage situations. And I thought he really helped this offense grind it out and go and, you know, the third and ones, third and twos, second and ones, whatever it was. Um, he did a fantastic job. And, you know, I, I just think of this line that Brandon Staley had last week, and, and it reflects, I think he said it for both the offense and the defense, and it's the more that we play together, the better that we will be. Sony Michelle was brought in so late, <laughs> you know, he was a late add, if you will, to this offense and this team as a whole. Um, a very similar situation he was in the prior year with the Rams where he was traded, and it was like, all right, let's get in and go. And, and that's kind of what he did here with the Chargers. But... Um, it'll be one to watch with those two, you know, the JT and Isaiah, but I just think again, sort of the dichotomy of the two sort of later round picks making sort of the plays of the game was a really interesting one to me, but, um, we'll see, you know, we'll see. Sometimes it just takes longer, I think for guys to get going and special teams, I think is one of those things, you know, not a lot of guys play on it. It's new. Um, but if you're young in this league, it's the one thing where you can sort of make a name for yourself and get that playing time to hopefully get you in on your respective offense, defense situations as well. Haley, all excellent points. And it makes me think about, you know, when, uh, when like free agency hits and, and, uh, we're, we're getting ready for the draft, you know, everyone's trying to predict like where these teams are going to go. And we always say, wait to see who gets drafted because this rookie class at some point will make an impact. Yeah. Um, how about, how about the fact that it was two six rounders and a seventh rounder, right? Jamari Sawyer playing left tackle in place of Rashawn Slater. And then, then Jasir and Dean Leonard making the play of the game to set up Dustin Hopkins. Um, and who knows, you know, we talk about Isaiah Spiller and JT Woods. It's a long season, man. You know, Spiller could be in there as early as Sunday for all we know, and, and he could have an impact towards the back half of the year. Maybe they, they rediscover a running game with him and Josh or him and Sony. You know, it, we, don't, we don't know what the future is going to hold. Um, so long season. Um, our guy Arnie asked, uh, why does it seem like the offense is struggling? Are expectations too high? I think, we, I think we answered that. I think, you know, I think they're just trying to make things work right now with what they got and hopefully get healthy. Um, so, hey, we, we appreciate all the questions, guys. Uh, real quickly, as we close this, just moving on to Seattle on a short week, Eric. Geno's kind of cooking in the Pacific Northwest. A former Charger comes down here. Uh, we're going to see Chenna Nuosu back at SoFi Stadium. This is not going to be an easy game for the Chargers, and it would be great for them to finish strong, get to 5-2 and two before they're by. Yeah, it's kind of what I hit on earlier. Like, if you can win four straight and – get to five and two at the bye that's almost like a reset given the the craziness really of the first seven games with injuries and close games and you know ups and downs and all that um there's a phrase that i've heard in my time in the nfl it's called empty the bucket and i i thought about that this morning like i think it's time for the chargers to empty the bucket this week because after this you obviously get a week off and you can rest 
rest up and, and try to get healthy. But this is a big week. Could, could you kind of you have to get every, give it everything you have? Because um, much like I said, you know, four and two looks better than, than three and three. Five and two looks way better than, than four and three, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I know we like to kind of peek ahead a little bit. Um, you know, if you're five and two with a bye, you've already kind of set yourself up fairly well for a second half run at the playoffs. That doesn't mean you're going to get in by, by, by any means for sure. But um, I think the first half of the season is just putting yourself in position to, to be in position to have a chance at the playoffs in the second half. And if you're five and two, you're, you're in a fairly good spot. Um, yeah, Seattle has been, has been plucky, I think, that so far this year. I think a lot of people, you know, maybe peg them to be a, a top five pick already, you know, preseason. Um, but yeah, they've, they've hung in there. They've, they've put up some points for sure. Um, so another good test for the Chargers defense and, you know, we'll see who comes back on offense and, and see how that unit can, can fare against, uh, a, a, a decent Seattle defense. Tell you what, Eric, we're, we empty the bucket uh, after these Monday night and primetime games, getting up early for the uh, for the final drive. You know, that's that's one of the things we're uh, we're there, man. Um, Always. Haley, the the AFC is just kind of a jumbled situation right now. The, the 49ers play the Chiefs this Sunday. The four and two Jets play the Broncos. So, I mean, talk about an opportunity before you're by to kind of get a leg up. Shoot, if if the Niners and that defense can shut down Patrick Mahomes, Chargers could be in first place in the West at their bye. Yeah, that would be huge. Um, this is such a weird – it's so funny. Every year you get the offseason hype and, and you get the storylines. And, and by all means, did the AFC West look to be this juggernaut of a division? And I remember, Chris, I went on with, with uh, you and Jim Hill in training camp, and I'm like – in all my years in the AFC West, I've never seen it look like this before. It is by far the best division in the NFL. Well, here we are. Hey, <laughs> we you know what? You were right. The first part was right. We've never seen anything like this. <laughs> We've never seen anything like this. Um, <laughs> good point. Uh, it would be huge. When it comes to Seattle, though, I'm going to throw, when we, when we have this conversation about rookies, two names to keep your eyes on, and that's Kenneth Walker, rookie running back, and Tariq Woolen, rookie cornerback, who has an interception in four straight games. Kenneth Walker put up 97 yards on the ground, stepping in for Rashad Penny. Um, looking at sort of just the, the box score of Seattle, um, Arizona had more total yards more rushing yards and more passing yards than the Seahawks last week, but it didn't matter at the end of the day. Seattle, if you want to talk about a team that's kind of finding ways to win, they're three and three atop tied in the NFC West. These wild, wild West divisions here are just fantastic, if you will. Um, so I'm going to throw those two names out. And then when you mention Uchenna, um, if you don't think that guy is going to come into SoFi with his hair on fire this week, I just think you're, you need to check yourself because I'm full ex, fully expecting um, Chen Ten as he is going by now with his new number to come in. But if you can get a win, and, and even though it's an NFC opponent, and if you can get that win and get to 5-2, and two, you mentioned it, Eric, every, every week you have sort of that slight different one-game differential. 5-2 and two just it sounds so much better. You, you hit it on the head than four and three would, especially at your bye when, you know, I think you want to go in riding a hot streak, take a little bit of a, of a break, self-scout 
yourself and then get back to it. Um, that would be huge. That would be really, really huge. The Broncos-Jets game is also fascinating. The Jets are playing really good football right now. Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? It's the NFL. Yeah, Jets could go to 5-2 and two with a win over the Denver Broncos, which is, which is wild. And, it, and, I, and I'll say this, too. 5-2, and two, and you know these three, three wins, two on the road and the one last night, none of them were very pretty, right? <laughs> uh, Houston, Houston got back into the game late. Um, we all know what Cleveland happened at the end of the Cleveland it. game, and then it was just it was just a a back and forth, not much offense. Special teams gutting it out uh, for for the Chargers. So when you're not playing your best ball and you're winning, and it's early in the year, man, you take those because you're gonna look back if you are kind of hitting your stride late, being like, shoot, thank goodness we won in weeks, you know four or five and six because we weren't playing our best ball. And that could be the difference between the playoffs and, and staying home in January. Um, you guys have any final thoughts as, as we get out of here and uh, get on to Seattle? That's no. it. Yeah, That's it. I think we're good. Tuesday. Empty the bucket. Mike That's is Tuesday. dropped. It's time to go back to work. The bucket is emptied. Yeah, Ellie. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, we, we always appreciate you listening watching we'll be back next monday um after uh, the chargers take on the seahawks and, and get into their bye for haley and eric i'm chris this has been the final drive